The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, October 23rd, 2023. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. With me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Elaine. Wow, it's kind of a drizzly day here in Sonoma County, but we can sure use the rain, that's for sure. I'm really excited about today's show. Actually, it's an honor for me to be uh, interviewing her. Joining me in the studio today is a woman I truly admire, Latisha Henke, who is a small-town girl. I don't know why. When I, if she go, I went through her resumes and her website, and she calls herself a small-time girl. But I'll tell you, this small-town girl has really made an impact here in Sonoma <laughs> County. She is the CEO of ARS Roofing Company and the founder of the Lowing Foundation. You know, when I was doing the research, uh, I was really, I was more, I mean, I've known Letitia for a long time. And when I read her resume, I hadn't realized that she had been honored so many times and is doing so many wonderful things. But I came across, I came across this statement about the, the Lime Foundation, you know, one of what, what her motivation might be. And I, I just want to read this. I took this from her website and this is what she had. Had to say about it. The Lyme Foundation fulfills a lifelong dream. I was bullied as a child due to the color of my skin, and it took a toll on me even into adulthood. My goal for the Lyme Foundation is to give people the support needed to succeed despite any disadvantages they may have. What a beautiful statement. You know, how many times do we stay on women's spaces? The, the children are our future. Well, this is a program for young people, young people who want to get into the workforce, and we're going to talk about it. In fact, I'm splitting, I'm splitting the show in two parts. Part one, I want to get a little background on Letitia, how she developed, what she did. She's a, she has a background in music, how she went from a musician to a owner of a roof company to a CEO of the Lime Foundation uh, catering to young people. Well, I want to do a, a real shout out to the North Bay uh, Black Chamber of Commerce. They had a great mixer. Uh, Ken and I were there. Lots of great displays. And I, wa- I just want to, I want to do a shout out. You know, they, uh, it was just an amazing gathering. It really was. The food was absolutely wonderful. And, and some of the, some of the products that were there and some of the people that were there was just, it was, to me, it was, it was just, my heart open, but there was one one woman that uh, she it's called Saucy Mama's uh, joke uh, joke joint, and she she does she did food. She had this wonderful 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 great display. But but what I found so interesting was when the name of her place it's called Joke Joint, and it it brought me to it brought me to the time when I was watching Elvis Presley because so many when you listen to many many of the musicians. So many of them were influenced by these places. And so I wonder, I just want to read a little history on a, I swear they were called juke joints. Also, juke joint, 
juke house joke or juke. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it was a form, it was an establishment where people got together in the poor neighborhoods and they, they all played music together and danced together and just this wonderful, wonderful music that came forward. And I even have a picture I'm going to show Leticia. This is actually a picture of that kind of uh, experience. And I want to do a shout out to Nancy Rogers who continues to inspire us all. I mean, it, it takes a lot of effort to put together a, a, an event like this, and it was really quite successful. So I want to I want to thank her from the bottom of my heart for doing that. Anyway, uh, as we do every Monday, you know, we do our history is our strength. But before we do that, you know, one of the things that happened this weekend. We, I, I, I never know how, I never know how to introduce this, but, uh, it's, we were acknowledging and refreshing or bringing forward. We don't want the community to forget that on October 22nd, uh, 2013, a young boy of 13 years old was shot with seven bullets in his body. And the thing that always, always stands in my mind is that this young boy, a young boy of color, you know, played saxophone. I mean, I identified so much with him, with my grandson. My grandson played the saxophone and was in the band. And, and I know all the, all the different experiences you have having a young boy, a grandson, a son. And, and just the thought of, of, of all of a sudden in one, in 30 seconds, not even 30 seconds, actually it was four seconds, seven bullets went in this young boy's body. And so every year they do, they have, I don't want to call it a celebration, they have an acknowledgement of, of his shooting. And his mother spoke, and it was, it was heartbreaking. You know, it's 10 years later, and still, and still I can feel the pain in Sergey, that's his mother's name, Sergey Lopez Cruz, I can still feel the pain in her body and her and her eyes you know when I first met her I looked deep into her eyes and I never saw such pain I mean to me the worst thing that can happen to any mother is to lose a a son or a daughter it's one thing when you lose them to bad health or a disease or something like that but when they're shot down in the street I mean I, I just don't know how I just don't know how one copes with that and she's still feeling that pain, but yet she comes out and she, her whole message, she gave this wonderful, wonderful speech, and her whole message to me was, is that we must protect all the children. Because if one mother's child is shot in that way, it can happen to any mother's child. In fact, I have to tell you something that is so amazing to me. It actually blows my mind. You know, it's one thing to hear that there's a, 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 a issue like this with a child being killed this way but it happened three times in my life I couldn't believe it the first time it happened was when my my dear dear friend Val Greenbook came to my house crying because her her son Jesse Hamilton was shot I couldn't believe it what we went through Ken and I and and our verge was over we just held hands for three or four hours just crying and talking and trying to comfort this mother and to this day when I see Val she still lets me know what's in her heart and then the second thing that happened was just it was a mind blower to me it was Andy Lopez now I didn't know Andy Lopez but I met his mother and it was through meeting his mother that I became an activist and said no if this could happen to this young boy it could happen happen to anybody. And like I said, I identified him so strongly with my own grandson who was about, you know, it just, it's just mind boggling to me. And then Branch Roth, 
my my girlfriend bought Marty, and 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 Marty Roth was standing in line, was picketing, was doing all kinds of education for the Andy Lopez situation to tell people why it happened, when it happened, who it happened to, and how we were trying to get the, you know we were trying to get accountability in the county, and here all of a sudden Marty Lost son is tasered and has a heart attack by police. And I said to myself, oh, my goodness, how does this happen? Three times, three individuals that I know closely that this happened to. So I know, I know without a doubt, if it could happen to one mother's child, it could happen to any mother's child. That's why we all have to stand up for peace and justice. Because if we don't have peace and justice, what have we got? We've got what we've got right now. Wars going on all over the, all over the world right now. I mean, when I think about it, I mean, think about this, folks. I mean, just think about this. We invented the airplane. We can fly like a bird, right? We in- invented the computer. We've got all this knowledge. Right now they're doing, uh, what is it, uh, 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 this new intelligence that we're all studying about. You know, I mean, I went, when I did the Andy Lopez, when I did his mother's speech, I kind of did an analysis on it. And what I came out, what they came out with is here is a woman who is still grieving for her beautiful son. But thank God she's able to come out and still speak to people and remind them that you have to stand up. You have to stand up for peace and justice. And when I think of the young children in these war zones, oh, my God, it just breaks my heart. I mean, how could any mother not stand up for every mother's child? I mean, think about it, ladies. Think about it. We, were, we are endowed in our bodies to bring forth life. That is our that is our mission when we come on here onto this planet. Why on God's earth? And we talk about God. You know, I always thought God was loving. You know, God was, you know, Jesus was the prince of peace. You know, he came to bring peace on earth, goodwill to everyone. I mean, every every war is fought in the name of God and peace. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. But as women, I really believe we have to stand up. We have to have our voices heard. Enough is enough. You've got to learn to sit down. I mean, we tell our kids when they do something bad, go, let's go take a time out. i got to tell you a funny story. I was very influenced by the Native American culture. My daughter was about, uh, I think she was about 10 years old, and I told her, I said, you got to go in your room because that's how the Native American culture took care of it. They made the young person go in a corner and think about what they did and then come and make a report and then name their punishment. And I'll never forget my daughter coming out and saying, Mom, why don't you just spank me? <laughs> you know, it's a, lot, it's a lot easier. But we have to start thinking about what is going on in this world. And we have to take responsibility, all of us. And the way we take responsibility is we demand accountability and we're not afraid to stand up. And that's the whole purpose of Women's Spaces. You know, today we're going to be interviewing an ordinary woman. I don't know why. She does extraordinary things. That's, the, that's kind of the theme of, of, uh, of Women's Spaces. But the possible is always possible if you put your mind to it. The possible is always possible if you look yourself in the mirror and you say, I can do it. Nobody is going to stop me. Here's a young woman who is bullied, and look what she's doing. She took those she took those emotions and those feelings and developed it in something that could do good for young people so they maybe won't have some of the experiences she had. And I feel the same way. 
You know, when I was in school, they put on my report card, and this is a joke, of course. Elaine should understand that children should be seen and not heard. Well, <laughs> they had a hard time quieting me, that's for sure. Well, there's a lot to think about, and I hope we're all thinking out there. But we all have to stand up for peace. We all have to stand up for justice. We have to stop this. Enough is enough. We're going to destroy ourselves. We're going to blow ourselves out of the universe if we're not careful. And I am, I am personally very concerned, and I think all of us out there, not in a depressing way, you know, but in a joyful way that we can stand up, we can have a voice, we can say enough is enough. We have a right to that. We have a right to that. It's in, our, it's in our Declaration of Independence, a right in liberty and justice for all. That means the whole planet as far as I'm concerned. Well, let's just go a few minutes here. We're just time, just the clock just goes boop, boop, boop while we're talking here. But we're going to do our history as our strength because I think it's very important. It's very important to see whose shoulders we're standing on and, and the challenges they've met. I mean, right now we're in a, in a flux. You know, it feels like, oh, where are we going? You know, what's happening with our Constitution? What's happening with our country? All these things. Well, this is an endless, this is an endless journey. And these are women who help make that journey possible. So let's say happy birthday. She was born on October 23rd, 1911. Wow. Made her transition in 1999. And I had no idea. Her name was Martha Roundtree and she was the creator. The creator and the first moderator in 19, from 1945 to 1954 of the televised show of unrehearsed panel interviews on Meet the Press. I had no idea. I mean, that is one of the most popular uh, news shows. And here we have a woman who is starting it. Well, here's another woman that I think is, I mean, when you think about this woman, listen, this woman was born in October 24th, 1915. She made her transition in 1976. That length of time, at that point, you know, women got the vote in 1920, but there was a long, long battle going on constantly. And then there was the new women's, the refreshing women's movement, and they refreshed it in 1970. But this woman is called... and. The reason that I, I brought, I made sure that I had her here is because her name was Letitia Woods Brown. And that is, she's a pioneer in researching and teaching African American history. She completed her PhD at Harvard in 1966. This is a woman of color. She completed her PhD at Harvard. Can you imagine the hurdles that she had to jump over? Her primary, she was the primary consultant for uh, the Schlesinger Library, the Black Women's Oral History Project, and she co-authored Washington from Banker to Douglas from uh, 18, from 1791 to 1870. So happy birthday, Letitia Woods Brown. Now here's another woman that, I mean, when you, when you listen to her life story, I mean, how these women did what they did is just amazing. And that's Mahalia Jackson. She's an internationally acclaimed singer. She sang at the 1963 March on Washington. Amazing. Actually, in, on the March on Washington, she was actually one of the only women that was allowed at the podium. There was a big, big, a big controversy around it. Let me take a drink of water here. There was a big controversy that they didn't have any women, you know, that were speaking at that time. But there was Mahalia singing with that lovely, lovely voice of hers. And if you ever watch her bio, I mean, this was a woman who was non-stoppable. 
And the last person I want to honor, and I just think, you know, there are a lot of people that, they, you know, we go one way and one way, this way and this way and that way with Hillary Clinton. You know, we everybody has an opinion of her. But you know something? The woman has stood up for many, many things. There's a lot of things that I don't agree with her, but I also see what an impact she has had on the world. So happy birthday to uh, Hillary Clinton. That's going to be on October 26th. She will be, I don't know how old she's going to be, but she's kind of interesting. She was the first lady from 1993 to 2001. Amazing. And I remember, I remember very clearly when she was trying to uh, pass medical, you know, medical for all. And boy, she was shot down. Like, who does she think she is? All of a sudden, a woman speaking out, you know. And now look, you know, we just had a, a first lady who... Posed in the nude. I didn't see anybody making a big deal about that thing. I mean, it's just so happy birthday, Hillary, and thank you for all that you've done. Well, we are going to take a musical break now, and the song I'm going to play, I, I, I believe it tells us a bit, a little bit about my guest today. Uh, it's called Women Rock the World, and it's sung by Earth Mama. And I know Earth Mama listens to the show. Good morning, Earth Mama. Sending you my love. I love her songs. Women Rock the World by uh, Earth Mama is we are going to play. And when we return, uh, joining me in the studio is Leticia Hankey, who is a small-town girl from Lake County, California. This small-town girl has done some amazing things. She is the CEO of ARS Roofing Company and the founder of the Long Foundation. We'll be talking about her journey as a woman in business, a woman of color in business, and the founding of the Lyme Foundation. So let's go ahead. Let's play this, and I dedicate this song to Letitia Hankey.
I like that. Women rock the world. We should all be rocking the world. Well, I got to make an apology here. You know, it's really interesting. I was talking to Letitia. Am I correct now? And I want to apologize. And I'm going to start calling you Tish. Is that okay with you? I love it. I mean, it's just amazing. And, you know, we really have to be careful. Well, for you just joining in, I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not as necessary the opinion of the stations, its board of directors, its members, and women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces. I'm your host, Elaine B. Holt. And without further ado, I want to introduce my special guest joining me in the studio, Latisha Hankey. Welcome, Latisha. Welcome to Women's Space. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And I love that nickname, uh, Tish. Tish? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, Latisha, I'd love to tell folks just a little bit about you. And I love that nickname, Tish. I mean, it's so, you know, I've known Tish for a long time. Long time. And it's just, it's, it's amazing to see her journey. Well, I'm going to read you a little, just a little bit about her. She calls herself a small town girl from Lake County. And she grew up dreaming of a music career, and she recognized from childhood for her musical talents. She attended Sonoma State University, envisioning a future in the performing and recording arts. When the opportunity arose, she took a position in a prominent roofing company and managed the business for eight years. In 2004, she started her own roofing company, ARS Roofing, Gutters and Solar. In March 22, she celebrated 26 years in the industry. She currently employs 24 full-time year-round employees servicing the North Bay in California. Her vision was to advocate for the disadvantage, inspired her to start her 5013C nonprofit foundation called the Lyme Foundation in 2015. Through three programs, her nonprofit advocates for uh, at-risk youth in the community, along with seniors and veterans, by providing health services, music and arts, technology, and construction training. Wow. And I have to say, she's won, she's been acknowledged by several, several awards. I counted, I think, 12, and I know <laughs> there's maybe a few. So do you want anything you'd like to add, Tish? Anything you'd like to add to that? No, I just realized that it's now been 27 years that I'm just celebrating 27 years this year. So wow. it's crazy and how time, time goes by. It does. <laughs> well, you know, let's start, you know, let's start out. You know, I always like to start out in the show of, of giving a little personal background because the whole idea of this show is to inspire women, inspire women to stand up, inspire to women to follow their vision. And, and uh, you are an example of that. And I think... Talking about it, I think, is very important. So tell us about, here you have this music career. You know, I remember when I first found that out about you, you have this wonderful career. You play, I believe, it's classical piano. And then you went on all of a sudden, here you have this roofing company. How did you integrate the two, and how did that happen? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, I've been a musician since I was a little kid. My parents are both musicians, and I grew up in the church. And I, I remember when I was a little little girl, my dad said, "Just go play the drums," and and I played drums, and piano, and I've been singing since I was really young. So naturally, when I was uh, heading off to college, um, you know, my parents like go to college, and of course that's something I wanted to do, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I, when I went to college, I 
joined as the, a music major. Um, went to school for a few years, just loving my music major, still not figuring out what I was going to do by my junior year. And I was pretty broke in college, as most college students probably are. Um, I was putting myself through college and working three, four jobs at a time, trying to go to school full time. And I'm like, I need to just find one really good paying job and started working. I found a, an ad in the newspaper. This was back in the day when you look for work in the newspaper and uh, saw this position for a receptionist at a roofing company. And I applied. And when I applied, they, they had seven, they had interviewed 17 people already for the position. And they're just like, okay, you're the last one. And I just happened to know the lady that was leaving. She went to school with me years ago and she recognized who I was and I ended up getting the job. So I started working there as a roofing, as the receptionist, pretty much filing, answering phones, just your basic stuff. But I worked my way up over the years from the, um, the receptionist to the office manager to the manager of the company. And my boss decided that he wanted to retire. And he said about four years in, he's like, I want to retire. I've been doing this 25 years. It's time for me to go. And I want you to buy my roofing company. And I said, I'm not a roofer. What do you mean? He said, are you willing to learn? And, you know, in your 20s, you're just willing to do anything at that point. I'm just like, sure, why not? I'll, I'll learn how to roof. And I uh, took another few years and was able to get my contractor's license to, to start my own company. And then my boss retired in 2004. I started my company and um, hired about 12 of uh, his employees that came along with me. And they're part of the team. And it's been quite the blessing. What does ARS mean? It's Alternative Roofing Solutions. So my boss's company's name was Associated Roofing Services. So everyone was used to the acronym ARS. So I wanted to keep the branding because I was taking on a bunch of the clients. So I kept the same acronym of ARS by changing the name to Alternative Roofing Solutions. And that's all it is. It's just the uh, to keep that acronym and keep that branding because people don't like to say the whole word. <laughs> well, you know, it sounds like your motivation was you wanted to find some sort of career, some sort of way to earn money but what what i mean here you are a, a young woman in your 20s you know you're a woman of color you know you're not a roofer so what how did how did you go about what did you do how did you what, what were some of your challenges and how did I, you overcome them? gosh i thought about it for you know many years how that transition happened because no i didn't wake up when i was nine years old and say hey i want to be a roofer when i grow up i <laughs> I, I didn't do that and I think for me, I, being an entre- my parents are entrepreneurs, so they've been entrepreneurs my whole life. And I started my own businesses when I was, you know, 15 and 16 years old. I would, in high school, I was braiding hair. I was making hammer pans. You know hammer pans? MC Hammer, everyone, if you remember back in the 90s. Well, you know, that's kind of funny because <laughs> there used to be a place in uh, Katadi called the Lotus Sutra. And it was like a bathhouse. And I was one of the, they called them uh, monkeys. I was one of the monkeys. And so I needed yoga pants. And I did the same thing. I sold yoga yep, pants. Yeah, you just sold I them together. Up, I ended up have, almost having a business. I had to stop because I was going to school. But I was actually putting their, their uh, 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 astrological sign. I would embroider it. Anyway, just a little side Easy peasy. So where did you, where did you, where do you think you got your oomph? I mean, you know, what was it like for you? You know, here you are a woman. And a roofing, you know, how, how did you go about that? Now, now you're in charge of it. It's not like you're answering phones, but you're responsible. Yeah, a lot of it came from just my childhood. You know, I did grow up in a small town um, in Lake County. And if, if anyone's familiar with Lake County, it's not a vi- very diverse 
town and area. My parents moved us up from the Bay Area. I was about five years old when they moved us up there. And there were kids that had never seen a black person in real life before. Even though in the whole school of K through 12, there were probably about eight of us all together still a lot of these little kids hadn't seen black people before so um so i was severely bullied i you know i i can tell you stories of being spit on kids would pull my hair call my call me nappy headed n-word you know little kids that could barely say their abcs but they can call me the n-word every day and some of the kids would tell me that i wouldn't you know as i got older that i would never amount to anything because i'm black and so i the drive came from the fact that, you know, I wanted to prove them wrong. I mean, that's really what it comes down to for me was that I wanted to prove them wrong. I wanted to show them that I am somebody, I can be somebody, and I'm going to be somebody. And when I got this opportunity to buy this roofing company and start a business like this, I'm I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to do it. So that's what happened. I just wanted to really prove <laughs> The kids from back in my childhood wrong that I, I was going to be successful and you that know, I just turned it into something positive. You know, it's really interesting when you talk about that, Tish, because today, today is a little bit different. When that things happen, parents at least have some way to, to, to make a complaint or something. But but when I hear stuff like that, I say to myself, what, what was going on in those kids' homes? What were her parents talking? I mean, we you know, the most beautiful thing about our country the way I look at it, you know, I'm only a first generation on my father's side, is we are diverse. We come from all over the world in this country, different colors, different religions, different ideas. Different. I mean, you just go down restaurant row sometimes. I mean, where would we be? And yet to hear the kids would come to school just because of something, like you said, the color of your skin, it's very, very, very sad. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, when you did show them, you know, just like I showed them when they said children, Elaine should understand that children should be seen and not heard. I mean, here I am at the ring. I mean, I've been hurt for years. I mean, I, they have a hard time shutting me up. But it, it, it's that it's that thing, and I, I'm going to I'm going to show them. And and you've got a multitude of awards. And I'm going to get I'm going to one award that I thought of all the awards you've been given, which was the most surprising. And which which one of the you which one is the most surprising award that you got? What of all of a sudden you said? Like me? Are they really giving me this award? Oh my gosh! Um, it wasn't so much a, as a, an award. It was a it was a, a TV show. It was a grant that um, that I was on because they tricked me for about a year and said that they were going to do this um, TV show about women in construction and especially women in, um, of color in construction. And so they were interviewing me for about a year and talking to me about how the show was going to go. And I, here I am thinking, oh, they're going to do this documentary about, you know, about me and about, you know, my, my journey, you know, and how I can inspire other, you know, women and especially women of color to, to do this, going to construction. So it turned out to be a little surprise. Um, it wasn't about me. It was actually a show with Mike Rowe. Uh, if you know Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs, um, he had a show called Returning the Favor and um, it's where he comes and surprises someone with you know, like a grant or you know, in my case, it was a big grant for my nonprofit and some tools for our students. And he got to showcase, you know, my nonprofit on his show to millions of people. And for me, that was the biggest thing that had ever really happened to me in my life to, to have 
everyone literally around the world be able to see, you know, what I was able to do through the struggles and the heart heartache that I went through and that positive thing that I, you know, turned that into. Millions of people got to see that. So that was my biggest really reward that I got to do was that returning the favor show. What was this, what was it what was that you were also uh, in the book Self-Made Boss. Was that the self-made boss? Uh, no, that's different. That was a very different. Jacqueline Reese's um, contacted me after seeing <laughs> seeing that show and wanted to just have me be a part of her book. She was writing a book about self-made bosses and how we were able to, you know, go through our journeys and, again, be positive through the struggles because, you know, there's a lot of struggles that we go through as business owners and especially women and then especially add on top of that a black woman. There's so many struggles and and she wanted me to be able to share that story and asked me to be a part of her book. What do you think was the core that kept you going? I mean, I know for myself, you know, like when I did that that pledge, that my self-esteem. I mean, you're you're like an example of that pledge. You know, my, if, you're not paying attention to what people are saying about you. You're saying, I'm moving forward. And now I'm now you're, you've gained, the, I mean, a tremendous amount of respect. I mean, people are calling on you all the time, I'm sure, for things that they want you to be involved in. But what was the core? What, what do you think was the core? I, I remember my, I had a teacher, Sydney, Sydney Dixon, and when I was in my full bully, when, I mean, when I was being fully, fully bullied, um, she came to me and, and taught me how to play the trumpet, you know, so that way I would have an outlet and a, a way to be able to... Um, channel all my positive energy into something really structured and positive. And when I played the trumpet, I remember how much I loved music and how music really made me feel so much better. And I remember how she, I feel like she came to my rescue, that, that one act, you know, while other teachers and stuff would watch kids spit on me and turn their heads and watch kids kick me and turn their heads, she came to me and would teach me how to play during lunch break. She would teach me how to play you know, so that way I had that, that positive thing. And I realized all these years that I just wanted to be that one person for someone else. I wanted to be that one person for an, another young person that's going through trauma or struggles in their life. And they feel like they don't have anyone to talk to and they feel like they don't have any, you know, outlet. And I knew that I could help make that happen just like it for me. And it was just that simple thing of just having that one person do that for me that I now say, okay, it only takes one person to change someone's life. Well, I have to say, I couldn't have said it any better. I mean, that the whole idea of when you go through the trauma, you know, there's all kinds of different ways that we handle it. And all I can say to you is congratulations. I think Thank it's you. amazing. And it really is a very touching story. You know, I think of what we endure as children. You know, our children are the future. You know, we have to invest in them. We have to love them. We have to entertain them. We have to educate them. We have to tell them that we're all one in this world. Anyway, we are going to take a musical break. And after, after listening to your story, you know, I picked this song, and I'll tell you something. This is your story. So let's go ahead, Ken. We're going to play. We're going to take a musical break, and we're going to play The Greatest Love of All, sung by Kennedy Holmes. And when we return, I will be talking to La Tisha Hanky who is a small-town girl from Lake County, California, who's the CEO of ARS Surfing Company and the founder of the Lyme Foundation. And on this second half, we're going to talk about the Lyme Foundation, which is a marvelous, marvelous program. Let's go ahead, Ken. 
future we believe in children it's uh it's just amazing well welcome back you're listening to uh, women's bases and it's been a kind of it's the show got a little emotional today but that you know something that's so beautiful when you think about when you speak from your heart and you try to do things from your heart the difference that you can make in this world you know i i had a, a breakout of my skin which has been the worst it's got, they call it psoriasis or eczema they don't even know it's been it's just really brought me down to my knees 
And one of the things I realized through this whole journey that I've been on with this is that there's only one thing. Just have faith and trust not only in yourself but in the world. That You know, there's a lot of kindness, a lot of goodness. And with all that's going on, if you can just see the kindness and just see the goodness. Like I, for myself, I can't help but see all the wonderful doctors who have been helping me. I mean, trying to ease my itching and all the other stuff that goes on with this. You know, I listened to I listened to Tishy's story. And she had one teacher, one person that came forward and said, no, this is not right. No, this come. You're going to learn an instrument. You're going to focus on other things. You're going to step outside of yourself. Don't let these people out there judge you because that's what they're doing. They judge us. They judge us by the color of our skin. They judge us by our intelligence, by where you live, the neighborhood you live in, the house, the shoes you wear. I mean, I mean, especially in high school, man. I'll tell you, high school was the, was like a nightmare. You know, just trying to figure out, you know, how you're going to survive in the world if you're not a beauty queen. Well, welcome back. And like I said, we're talking with Letitia Hankey, who is the CEO of ARS Roofing, and she's the founder of the Lime Foundation. And we're going to start talking about the Lime Foundation. Tish, talk about the Lime Foundation. You know what what does what does Lime stand for to begin with? And what was your what was your motivation and your inspiration to just get up in the morning and say, "I'm going to do this"? And I know you have a young son yourself, so. How, tell us the story. Tell us the story about the Lyme Foundation. Well, Lyme Foundation is about my my young son, who's now 21, by the way. So he's still young, I guess, but he's not a little baby anymore. Um, so Lyme stands for my son's name, which is Emil, E-M-I-L, and Lyme is his name spelled backwards. So wh- that's what it is. Oh, yes, simple. I know people always think it has something to do with lemons and limes or oranges and grapefruits. <laughs> and I'm like, nope, nothing. Okay. Or Lyme disease. I'm like, no, that's what the why. Um, my, my son, he, uh, he's multiracial. He grew up here in Sonoma County. And when he was in school in Runner Park, uh, when he was about seven years old was the first time that he was called the N word and was also the first time that he experienced bullying. And he came to, came home one day and said, mom, why do people hate me? And he started telling me the story of what he had experienced. And that's when I first experienced told him about my experiences and what I went through and told me he needed to stick up for himself. And, um, you know, when kids would call him lying because that was one of the bullying tactics that they had just because they don't want to call him by his name. They just want to pick on him and call him lying um, for him to hold his head up high and, you know, demand that they call him by his name. And just that's what I taught him to just stick up for himself. And so when I had this opportunity um, with my company being successful, I wanted to start a nonprofit to help these kids, like I said, that were bullied or have gone through this bullying. And what better to name it, you know, Lime Foundation, something after my own kiddo. And that's how it started. That, what an amazing story! I mean, my goodness! I mean, it's just so he, so he's he's biracial. Yes, and yeah. and he's still experienced correct the same kind of thing. Very much. Well, any of the mothers and fathers out there listening, you know, make sure that your children are better educated. I mean, seriously, you know that that I mean. Anyway, I don't want to go there. Well, bullying comes in different forms. You don't have to be called the N-word, you know, to be or kicked or spit on. Something as simple as being called lying, you know, just not calling him by his actual name. That's still a form of bullying. You're doing something that they don't want you to do. He didn't want to be called lying. And they continue to do it. So I just always love getting the message out to, you know, parents, when you're talking to your kids about bullying, it's, it's the little things that they say, too. It's not, it doesn't have to always be something huge. It's 
they just need to be careful of and being respectful of what people's wishes are. He expressed he didn't want to be called lying, and they kept doing it. So it's, that's the conversation I think we should be having with our kids, and even as adults. Even as adults, adults do it too. So. Well, I think it's very important because children live what they learn. You know, if, you are, if you're spewing hate in your house or, or racism or whatever, that's what's going to come out in the street with your children. And you have to be aware of that. You know, people don't recognize their children actually project who they are, you know, especially as they're growing up. So it's very, very interesting. So here you have this idea. You're going to do this for youth. You're going to maybe call it the lime after, you know, your son. And, and another another thing that you it was I will show you, which I think is very interesting and very important, very, very important. What, what steps did you have to take and what, what challenges did you have? I know there, there were a few. Uh, explain the program and, and, and what challenges? What, what, was the, what was the greatest challenge? Well, the, the greatest challenge, you know, you mentioned earlier the North Bay Black Chamber, and I have to, you know, mention the North Bay Black Chamber because even when I was starting my roofing company, one of my biggest challenges was, you know, coming up with the money, figuring out a business plan. I had never done anything like that before. I just started a business. But in order to get money to start it, I needed to, you know, have the steps and such. And it was the North Bay Black Chamber that I went to, and they were able to, you know, put me in touch with local banks and people that were, you know, going to give me the funding and gave me the funding to do it. So the same with the North Bay Black Chamber. When I started my business and everything got going and it was very, it's been very successful, I said, well, I want to give back to the community, you know, in a, in a bigger way that I can. And I went to a North Bay Black Chamber event through the California Black Chamber in Washington, D.C. I met a lady there who was talking about nonprofits and how you can, you know, have a nonprofit and the NFL is a nonprofit. It's just, she was just going through all this stuff. And I said, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to have a nonprofit. And she said, okay, the first 10 people that get up and sign up will get 15 free minutes with me. And I jumped out of my seat, almost tripping and <laughs> went and signed myself up. And I met with her, Sharita, her name is, and we, we sat down and she's like, okay, you know, what are you passionate about? And I said, well, here are all the things I'm passionate about. Number one, I, you know, music, music. And I told her my story about how music changed my life forever. And I want to help kids that are bullied. She said, great. What else? And I said, well, um, you know, I'm in construction and I think that there's a lot of young people that are going off to college, not knowing what they want to do. And they're getting into debt and they're dropping out and they're finishing college and still not doing what they want to do. And I said, I want to show them that there's another pathway as well and they can get into construction. And I, I want to work with a lot of at risk youth. And she said, great. What else are you passionate about? I'm like, well, you know, my parents, you know, they've been ill with certain ailments for a long time, most of my life. And I want to help our seniors have a you know, a better life and through nutrition and health and teach them how they can get more exercise and all these kinds of things. She said, okay, is there anything else? I'm like, I think that, that's about it. That's, that's enough. She said, great. Now, what do you want to call this, these programs? And, and we just sat down and brainstormed all the things and what I wanted to call it. And she said, okay, what do you want to call this foundation? All these programs can be under one foundation. And that's when I said the Lyme Foundation. And that's how it all started with just pieces of my life and p things that are dear and important to me starting these programs and now we've implemented all three of the programs and being able to help help hundreds and, th and thousands actually now um of people and it's so you good. so you hear you go and you meet this one you have this vision 
And it sounds like you you have the vision, you say, no, it's not possible. I don't know. It sounds good. You know, it sounds maybe, maybe, maybe. And then you, then for some reason, I really believe spirit somehow pulls us all together who we're supposed to be with. And then all of a sudden you get this idea with this woman and you name it and then you go after it. What was, what would you say was your main challenge about bringing this all about when you really actually, before you could open the doors? A lot of it was just the the connections and and funding and be, being able to be able to keep the programs going. It was, and and also as a as a black woman, especially in the construction industry, there weren't any other you know barely women, let alone black women in roofing. I can say construction, but in, in specifically in roofing. So just being able, to, I I felt like I always had to prove myself, always proving myself, always proving myself, and showing that hey yes I'm I'm legitimate and I can do this and make this happen. And the same thing happened even with you know the nonprofit. You know there's a lot of challenges just. Here in Sonoma County, you're up against a lot of, you know, very well-established, you know, groups, and there's ways for us to work together and collaborate together. So I really had to just find ways to to work together and say, you know, we don't have to have all these separate things. Let's find a way to work together and do something together. And that's really what's been helping us the most is just collaborating and uh, working with um, all these different other, you know, uh, groups and nonprofits in the in the community. So the biggest challenge was just finding how to work together and show that we're not a threat we're just we can add to it <laughs> well you know i want to i want to correct you yes sure you were not proving yourself you were standing <laughs> up for yourself you were yes. saying i am here i have a good program i have something to offer and you know that that someone someone it, uh, hit me with that one time when i said oh i always have no you don't have to prove yourself right. you're a beautiful woman you're standing up for what you believe and women have to understand we have a right to stand up for what we believe and when we do it when we do it and when we get when we Put aside what everybody else is saying and say, this is what I want. It makes it makes a very big difference. It does. Well, you know, we're coming kind of to the end of the program. But what I'd like you to do is if you could just describe a little bit, what is Lyme? I mean, okay, I'm a young person. What who, what am I going to get if I go to Lyme? Well, one of, our, one of our most successful programs has been our Next Gen Trades Academy. So a lot of our youth, as I mentioned before, that, you know, decide that they don't want to go to college. They want to work with their hands. They want to, you know, find a career and go to work right out of high school. So our program is a three-week training program. We introduce them to up to 24 different construction trades. And once they learn and decide which industry that they want to go in and they finish our program, we then um, help them get that career. So whether it's plumbing or roofing, I always try to get roofers, um, or solar, and we get these young people a great career in those industries and they move on, you know, making anywhere from $20 to $25 an hour to start with no experience and then we have students we and i have to mention this before i go because i'm super super proud and i have to mention it uh, one of our students marcus hernandez he started in 2017 in our program when we first did it he was our very first graduate from the program from rancho katati high school and he came into the class and he says i want to i want to go into construction he was 17 years old i want to go into construction i want to be a, a general contractor one day and i'm like great take this class finish this class he took that class class in his junior year of high school he finished the class graduated and then he got an internship for the local general contractor he worked with them for the summer came back finished high, his senior year in high school and then f- like four days after his senior graduation he was back working full-time with the same general contractor he's been with that contractor now for six years 
And he just called me about three days ago to let me know that he passed his general contractor's license at the state contractor's license board. And he now is a licensed contractor here in California, and he's starting his own company, and he's going to hire his first employee from the Next Gen Trades Academy. <laughs> well, I can tell through your body language how <laughs> joyful that is for you. I mean, it, it, you know that that's what that's 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 what makes us go on. Yeah. These stories that we help them and help them move take the take the next step. Well, yes. how can how can folks support you? How what can they do? What I know you need funding. How can they get a hold of you? Any last words? What 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 what, what would you like people to walk away from this? And what are they? What what's the biggest thing that you would like to come across? I just would love people to know that you they have an opportunity to help support these young people that just need it. They can be that one person for you know like Marcus. Someone funded him to take our program, and now how that's going full circle, and now he's going to help another other at-risk youth be able to, you know, as well do the same thing that he's going to do. There's ways for you to volunteer for our program. If you're a contractor out there, either looking to hire or want to be a, a mentor of our program, we're always looking for new mentors and new contractors that are ready to hire someone, you know, who, someone who's motivated. Funding is also a, a definitely an ongoing <laughs> process, as most nonprofits know. We're nonprofits, so, you know, we're always looking for people that want to sponsor a student. They can sponsor them directly or a corporate sponsorship that wants to sponsor a whole cohort of students. So that's, those are the best ways to you know contact us to be able to let us know if you're interested in being a part of that. We are definitely looking to com- build up more of our classes and add to our classes. We just expanded expanded down to Marin, and we're looking to do more expansion and um, more trades, uh, more academies as well. Um, we've been developing other academies like the Auto Academy and the Chef Academy, but. We're just looking for people that want to be a part of it and um, and help these young people have a, a better life. What What do you feel? You know, when you're talking about helping young people have a better life, what do you think is the just one quick sentence here? I feel what, the, what do you think? What do you think happens to them? I feel the greatest joy. I I think about my joy when I had that person come to my rescue. You know, God put amazing people in my life for a reason, and I feel great joy when I see the smiles on their faces and I see that I've made a difference in their lives. Wow. Website, real quick. Uh, Lime, the org, and that's L-I-M-E foundation.org. You can find us there. Well, thank you so much, Letitia Hankey, for you. such a wonderful, a wonderful interview. And congratulations on all your awards and all this wonderful program and just... It was just a delight to interview you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Well, folks, that's it for our show. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> a reminder, tell your friends that Women's Spaces will be on again this evening at 11 o'clock, and you go ahead and you can you can listen to it. And I want to thank Letitia Hankey for doing such a wonderful interview and for making such an impact. I mean, our children are the future. We must never, never lose sight of that. And this is just another example of how they are being invested in. And when you listen to the story of the young boy, how all of a sudden he was able to come in and do a class get training, go out, work, and now is going to open his own business and all the wonderful feelings that go along with that journey. I mean, it's just really worthwhile. And remember, everything that we talked about, the websites and whatever is is on our website, www.womenspaces.com. Anyway, this has been... 
I don't know. I can't, I can't explain how wonderful I felt about this show. And I can't explain how I feel. I just want to send my, my, my heart out to all those women and children and men in these war zones. You know, my prayer is that one day we do find peace on earth, that we find a way to live together. After all, the earth is our mother. You know, we're all part of it. We're really one, you know, and just like Jesus said, there are many, many colors in the fly, in a, in a, in a row of garden of flowers, you know, it's just, we really have to start looking at that, looking at who we are and what we're doing and how we, how we present ourselves to the, to the ward. Anyway, this is Elaine B. Holt. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to being with you the next time. She's patient and she's waiting and she'll take you home now. The woman in your life, she can wait so easily. She knows everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Because the woman in your life, the woman in your The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, October 23rd, 2023.